You're about to listen to the 62nd episode of Screen Talk, IndieWire's weekly podcast featuring Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, recorded on the eve of the Telluride Film Festival. You can follow our coverage from Telluride by signing up for IndieWire's news alerts and Thompson and Hollywood's news alerts at IndieWire.com and blogs.indiewire.com slash Thompson on Hollywood. And of course, you can also follow us on Twitter at Eric Cohn and at AK Stanwick. And let us know what you think both about our coverage from Telluride and this week's episode. On with the show. Eric Cohn and I are in Telluride. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Screen Talk. Here we are. Still adjusting to the altitude. We've only been here a couple of weeks. Uh, but Ann Thompson, uh, it's a couple of weeks. It feels like a couple hours. of weeks. Hours, days. But actually, by the end of this weekend, it's going to feel like months because of all the different movies we're going to take in. And that's always the crazy thing about Telluride is that last time we spoke, we didn't even know what all these movies were going to be. We had a sense. We had a sense. We were playing guesswork pretty well. Uh, but we got we got the lineup a couple of days ago. It was made public just a couple hours ago. And there's a lot of stuff that uh, we've been anticipating for a while, a couple of things that we're not so sure about. And by the time most people listen to this, Word will be out on a lot of it. So some it, of the films have broken in Venice. Sure, we're not there. Beast obviously, of no nation, we have spotlight. people. We have proxies who are uh, genuine writers checking them out for their. So beasts of no name, which is here. Beast of no, no nation, no one nation. of two Netflix represented titles. The other being uh, this uh, Ukrainian documentary, uh, Winter on Fire. So that company's going to make a nice appearance here. And then uh, Spotlight. Spotlight, which is uh, a bid by Open Road for some kind of... And that's so far so good. So we're mentioning, You saw that one. I did see it. I won't go into too much detail right now because once you've seen it, we can have a, more of a conversation about it. I mean, I think that it's uh, a movie that is going to have a very different kind of reaction once a lot of people see it because it's, it's very textured and uh, nuanced character study in a lot of ways that... Will we'll work in a limited festival setting, I think, better than it might for a larger audience because it's it's a very small kind of mannered character study. All that being Are said, we comparing it to Foxcatcher, say, I, it's, it's Foxcatcher is much is a much colder, darker movie. It's, this is a warmer film. It's Tom McCarthy, and that's sort of the outside of the cobbler tends to be something that people we associate like with his movies. Yeah, no, no, no. I, th- I think people will like this movie. I, I, I worry that it's the first, one of the first movies that people are saying is, is really a part of the award season conversation because that sort of hype is not really going to stand up when other kinds of movies show up. I mean, in the next day or two, we're going to see Steve, Steve Jobs. Jobs. I mean, that's just... That's the one. That's that's the beast outside of the beast of no nation. And yeah. you know, uh, which it's the one that's directed by Danny Boyle, written by Aaron Sorkin, starring uh, Kate Winslet and Michael Fassbender. Uh, the one that was in all those great Sony emails, you of know, course. where Amy Pascal was torturing Fincher herself, was do it. Sure. and Rudin, which was fighting with Rudin, and Rudin took it to Universal, and Universal made the deal and. You know, a couple By the of way, days. I love that a movie about technology was subjected to that hack like that. I know. It's just such a I beautiful know. irony. So I, there's a great deal of interest, and, it, and it's a very unusually structured movie. So I can't wait. I cannot wait to, to see it. And uh, uh, tomorrow we will have uh, the 
annual brunch where we'll see all the players. And we know, you know, a lot of the people who are here. We have Alexander Payne who always comes. He's close to the festival. Just Anybody to hang spot out. Warner Herzog around? I he didn't has a see theater him. named he after often him. Comes. I think Pierre Rissen will be I here. I saw Brad Bird. Brad Bird likes to hang out with his son. It's it's yes. so hilarious at this festival because it's. I remember I, when I saw Twelve Years a Slave, I ended up sit, sitting next to Inuritu, and I, I thought it was oh how nice that you know Inuritu wants to be here and just watch movies. But there was a practical reason for him being there because Birdman showed up twelve months later, and it felt like there were certain kinds of ways in which it all fits together. Well, Ben Affleck and and the, a butter came uh, here, uh, the Weinstein Cow movie that didn't play very well. Right. But Jennifer Garner and, and they, they had their kids and they were hanging out and loving Telluride. A year later, he brought right. Argo. Exactly. I mean, it's like there is this sense that it is a family of, of sort of high profile, talented people, but at the same time, there are ways to benefit from that. Well, Warner Brothers is back. Uh, they brought uh, uh, Gravity, Gravity here two as, years well, ago. as well as Argo. And and I think that um, their black mass is going to be uh, answering a lot of questions that we sure. have. You know, is Certainly. Johnny Depp going yeah. to have a comeback? Is he going to reclaim his classy profile. Right, absolutely. I mean, the, these sort of lingering mysteries that are answered or at least addressed in such a short period of time are what make this really constrained environment so unique from other other places. But since you mentioned some of the distributors, that that's another mystery worth digging through a little bit. I mean, to have Open Road and Netflix be the two that we mentioned up top it kind of gives you a sense of how things are different this year. And there's this huge Amazon contingent here. The Amazon folks are here. There was Ted Hope, there was Scott Foundas, there was Bob Bernie, you know. And And they're muzzled by corporate PR, so they're not going to tell us what they're doing. They're telling me stuff. They're not going to say it publicly. But but then, you know, one group that tends to be a big player. But they're looking for acquisitions. That's what they're doing. And and those movies are are here and, and not necessarily generating buzz the way that the bigger film are, but after this weekend, they could be in a totally different position. A company like Sony Pictures Classics usually ends up being one of the bigger games in town, and they only have one movie here, so they could acquire something But the they have a ton days. in Toronto. Sure, they have a ton in Toronto. But that's, that's the thing. The movies that Sony Pictures Classics happens to have, Truth, the story of Mary Mapes with Kate Blanchett and Robert Redford, you know, the, the uh, I, I Saw the Light, the country music biopic with Tom Hiddleston. These are more mainstream movies, more aimed at that sort of older demo, not so necessarily artful movies that would play here in Telluride. I think that's something that a lot of people and so there's find... A, there's uh, a way of figuring out what the Telluride sure. taste is. That, that's sort of what people find alluring about it. It's, 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 not, it's not just a taste for... Uh, you know the idea of an art house movie. It's an actual art house audience that comes to the festival. I mean, you run into people who've been coming here for thirty years or more, forty years. It's a forty-second year, and and this is how they watch these movies throughout the year. They don't have any industry connections, but no, it's very to... organic and, and 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 wonderful to stand in line, listen to what the people have to say, listen to how they spread the word. That's the big right. thing. I remember when Wild Tales 
was running around. Oh, yeah. You know, those and, were good and the, times. the word, you know, was spreading, you know, and by the end of the weekend, it, it was the hit of the festival. Exactly. You know? I mean, we were just having dinner with a couple of people, including Adam Kirsch from Brigade, who's never been here before, and he's working on this little movie called Viva. Uh, which nobody knows anything about right now, but he was worried that it's going up against these big movies. But the reality is, here it doesn't really matter because people go to all kinds of stuff. And whereas the industry goes to different things for certain reasons or the media goes to certain things for certain reasons, people go to all kinds of stuff and then they're in line and they just kind of casually chat about what they've seen or they're on the gondola for 10 minutes and they want to just sort of open up their minds to people. And that's how these movies end up having having a track record. That's right. and Or you can end up on the gondola one-on-one with Mike Lee. This happened to me one year, which is not necessarily... <laughs> yeah, did you get the good mic or the bad mic? The mic. He's got He's got two sides yeah, I got to him. So. I will say that there there aren't quite as many heavy-hitting filmmakers in, in, in that sense this year. I mean, some of the people who I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing around, Danny Boyle, Todd Haynes, I mean, they're... They're great filmmakers who, in some, you might argue that they're at their peak, but that, I mean, in terms of, of masters, people who have been doing it for even longer. We may see Carrie Fukunaga and Tom McCarthy. Right. I mean, but yeah, I see what you mean. Scott Cooper, these are all younger filmmakers, basically. Um, Andrew Hay with 45 Years, a which will movie. finally be seen by more people beyond you and me. Right. Um, and Room. I'm interested in that. That's Very curious about Room. And... I actually, I have to say, I, I read that book on my way over here. Oh, how um, is it? It's, it's fantastic. I mean, basically the, the premise of, of this story is, is uh, a, a woman who's been kidnapped and, and, and is impregnated by her kidnapper and, and raises her child in this room. So it's all he knows of the world. But the novel takes place entirely from his perspective. So that's a very particular kind of literary device in a certain way. And so I'm really curious to see how or if that translates into cinematic terms. That being said, I mean, A24 is really high on this movie. We've been hearing about it for a long time. And the whole the Brie Larson factor is, is really exciting. I mean, the, seeing, seeing somebody as young as Rooney Mara getting tribute at the festival this year. Well, that's basically a device to get Carol. Sure, but it makes you wonder if this goes... And a, an award strategy yeah, but to they, get her they, some attention. They couldn't do that with She's Brie Larson young. yet. Yeah. But a year from now, if this goes well, maybe mm. she won't. Who knows? She's certainly done an, as bad as many movies. The only reason they could movies. sort of justify it is because uh, Mara won Best Actress at Cam. You know, it's a good justification, though. It's an amazing role, and, and, and reintroducing Carol into the conversation is, is I think, it needs to happen. It needs to happen. happen. It's not in Toronto. Um, it's uh, probably it's, saving money. Maybe whatever the rationale is. I mean, it goes to New York. But it gets right, the Telluride New York boost, which is the same thing that's going to happen to Steve Jobs. A lot of the can films are, have followed that pattern in the past, where they go to uh, can Telluride New York. Right. So I guess that they also need on some level Toronto. It raises an interesting question about the identity of Toronto that that's worth sort of examining a little bit as we're at Telluride because the next time that we do an episode we're going to be heading straight into Toronto. But I think when you're in an environment like this, it strips down what the fall season is to a more kind of palatable form 
Whereas when you're in Toronto, you get this just massive. There's more interviews going stuff. on, more more distractions. So many movies. Although I have to say, this year, and we're lucky, we're not complaining. Hello, everybody, thank you. We're being invited to a lot more dinners and. There's a lot more dinners things. at Tyrant. There does seem to be more of that, more it, parties. But but I think what you were saying earlier is it really just reflects that there's a lot of different games in town. There's more players. The Kiln Media Group, or you know, we're used to Sony and IFC and Fox Searchlight. They've always been here. Right. They've always had dinners. A twenty four wants to do a dinner they, because they have a focus room. features dinner. Yeah. Focus yeah. right. So I mean, it, it's, it, it tells you that it's it's not just a competitive marketplace in terms of acquisitions, which is maybe something you would see more in Toronto. It's just a competitive marketplace in terms of just fall season releases. Speaking of acquisitions, one of the movies um, that does not have a, a distributor yet is um, the new Charles Ferguson documentary, which I looked it up this morning. It was one of those things. It's like not even on IMDb. Yeah, what is that? Time you to know? Choose? It's an Time, environmental yeah. documentary. So so that's going to be interesting. He's obviously been flying way under the radar. It makes you wonder why. I mean, the Michael Moore movie is, being a secret. Well, they, you know, sure, there's but. there's reasons. Clear. We'll find out. We'll, 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 the great thing about Telluride is you can see him on the street. Right. Flag him down. Hey, Charles. I'll figure it out. Give me the dope here. Exactly. You know, so Cohen Media Group picked up Marguerite, and um, the time to choose is definitely for sale by Synetic uh, Media. And Anomalisa, the Charlie Kaufman, he co-directed it, and it's a stop-motion animated movie that's premiering late Friday night. It's not the biggest game in town, but it certainly sounds like one of the weirdest ones. R-rated animation. Yeah, it doesn't sound obviously Telluride, perhaps, in quite the same way, but again, an unknown variable in that sense. Uh, also going to the New York Film Festival, and so there there are buyers here who may be looking at those kinds of movies as an opportunity, much in the same way I would say A twenty four went after Under the Skin here a couple of years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not a big marketplace per se, but it's a place where certain kinds of stranger movies can stand out in a different light in advance of a much denser marketplace, and so in that sense, it ends up being very valuable for the industry in, in multiple different ways. And seeing all that come together in such a constrained environment, I think elucidates the way the different priorities break down in the industry. Well, you do have uh, some exhibitors here. You do have some buyers here. You have a lot of critics and media here. But it's, in some ways, more of a jumping-off place to other places. You know, What's fascinating to me is that there are some films that no one's ever heard of. You know, which is pretty hard to come by in this world. It's true. I was surprised you know? that Tikkun showed up here. I actually saw that in, in competition in Locarno and it originally premiered at the Jerusalem Film Festival. It's a really kind of almost depraved black and white feature about this uh, Israeli yeshiva student. And uh, just, um, I don't know, it was another one where I was just sort of wondering, is this really a movie for Telluride audiences? But somebody must have felt strongly enough about it to put it here and that only can help a movie like that that's already facing tough commercial prospects in a, in a very busy year especially so i do i do hope people check out heart of the dog laurie anderson's very personal documentary which is kind of sort of about her dearly departed pooch but it's also about post 9-11 society and all these other kind of beautiful things so there's a lot of different things different kinds of movies that might have their moment in the sun if they play their cards right. But again, it's, it's a question of how the audience responds. Exactly. That's what's organic about it. Suffragette has obviously got some Oscar hopes on its sleeve, but yeah, you know, we'll see. Uh, Carrie Mulligan isn't going to be here because she's about to give birth. That's what's going on with that. Um, Michael Keaton will be here for 
uh, spotlight. You know, it's funny about Michael Keaton coming here. Is it makes you wonder what might have happened with him if he had come here last year with Birdman. Well, it's an interesting question. He um, he got close. And the good news is Painfully that he, close. he could be, you know, owed one. And now. I think well, and if they do everything right with Spotlight and he's the supporting actor candidate, which is the way they're playing it, he could, you know, he could come out ahead. But remember, he may have another foil this year he's met before, which is Eddie Redmayne in The Danish Girl, which is not at Telluride. That's lead, though. Oh, and you're saying Keaton would be for supporting? That's right. Well, I think when That's people see this doing. movie... They're, putting, they're saying that Mark Ruffalo is the lead Oof. and Keaton is supporting. Well, I'll, I'll take issue with that as somebody who's seen the movie. It's similar to the, the way that uh, Steve Carell... They're all Carell... playing games with this. Yeah. They're playing games with this. They're playing games with the... Uh, with uh, Not with Redmayne, but um, with End of the Tour, where uh, Jason Siegel is supporting, uh, with um, the uh, Love and Mercy, where... Paul Dano. Paul Dano supporting and John Cusack as lead. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Right. They're playing the same character. Steve Carell was was, uh, the the lead in in Foxcatcher. So they go with what they think they're going to have the best shot with. And sometimes they just let the actors tell, say that, you know, if John Cusack thinks he's the lead, you know, go with God, I guess. Right. Well, John Cusack would like to think (laughs) he can be a lead, but that is Paul Dano's game. So I I hope that movie sticks out more. And but the Guatemalan entry uh, for the Oscars kind of, is playing here, right. which, which is amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, and somebody picked that up as well. So Yeah, it was Kino Lorber actually yeah. had several films here. Yeah, Taxi. Four movies. Jafar, Jafar Panahi's movie Taxi, which uh, won the, the uh, Golden Bear up in Berlin. That was a great one. Um, and a movie that I think people are going to respond to very much in, in an environment like this because of the conditions under which it was made in Iran. So there are certain kinds of movies that are, are obviously going to get a good reaction here, even if they're not going to be necessarily the biggest names in town. But then you have documentaries like Hinami Malala, which is a Fox Searchlight thing. That's an interesting one because there are a lot of sort of freighted expectations there. This is the man who brought you Inconvenient Truth yeah. and you know Participant Media is getting an award here and right. that's one of the movies they backed and and um, but he it, it, I was reading the I love the idea that he would you know she can't go back to Pakistan so they can't go back and shoot the 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 material that would take place there. Right. I mean he could have but they didn't. Right. So, but because she couldn't go, so they actually shot animated material right. to cover that material. Well, I'm, I'm I mean, I, I hear that's really cool. I'm curious about it. I think because it's the kind of movie that I would expect to be in this environment, one way or the other. Partly because David Guggenheim has this sort of almost a brand of of, of commercial filmmaking that can take these sort of inspirational stories to the masses. I mean, that's what Inconvenient Truth was on some level, and that's what Waiting for Superman was, and people will respond to that. that didn't play for the Academy. Uh, and, I, and we branch. don't know if this necessarily will. That's the, the animation may be a risk in that regard, right. but he's just going to make the best movie that and he can. It, it, yeah, exactly. But I, but I do think it's, it's something like that. I mean, it, It's I, interesting because in, in the real world of what's acceptable aesthetically for animators... Uh, excuse me, for documentary filmmakers, they're going to use all the tools that they can to make more narrative, to make more um, uh, drama. And uh, the Academy uh, branch is is lagging. 
behind in terms of what they consider to be aesthetically acceptable. They don't well, like also, reenactments. They I, don't I have like to, to assume around. that Davis Guggenheim doesn't have the same kind of supporters in the documentary branch that, that say, Laura Poitras would have, or, or certain kinds of people who, who are considered more... Uh, pure, pure. The the sort of muckraking journalists of the documentary community versus the people who are telling, making these sort of like master More mainstream. Yeah, exactly. More mainstream. Well, that's an interesting question um, of how that that's going to play out. Well, I, I don't think Davis Guggenheim is the kind of guy that's going to make a movie for the sake of winning the Oscar. I think he's just well. He already has one in the bag anyway. Yeah. So either which way, which is also against him. Yeah, when it comes <laughs> to this sort of thing. One documentary that I can't wait to see is uh, the Sidney Pollack uh, doc, Amazing Grace. I saw uh, some of that as, as a work in progress. Oh, really? It's it's an amazing. I mean, she's back. She's back in her gospel glory, recording the great gospel album, and it uh, it was held up because there was no um, there was the, the the he was using like five cameras. You know, it, this is in the aftermath of Woodstock. This is Warner Brothers. They're trying to make another right. great movie. Early seventies. Yeah, you know, but he didn't know how to. You know, Pollock wasn't a documentary. I mean, he had yeah. five cameras, and the sound wasn't in sync. Right. Right, and it but, took all this time for these people to sort of figure out how to make that. And fixed. it was it was never released, so this yeah. is sort of so that that aspect. And it is, doesn't have a distributor either because well, there's some rights she, issues, aren't there? It's it, what it really amounts to is uh, her. It's it's um, just to be clear who we're talking about here. We're talking about the great gospel singer Aretha Franklin, In case who doesn't want. <laughs> To do this for free, right. she wants to be paid. She wants the rights. Wants well, the rights it's certainly to, not to the this. first time we've heard of these these kind of situations, but I mean, it seems so disconnected from a project like this. Well, she signed away her rights when she did. Yeah, it. forget about it. Was, it. She was, I mean, you know, a Warner Brothers plus, artist. Plus, come on, lady. I mean, it's been more than she four has years. the right to decide that she doesn't want to promote. The sure, they're willing to pay for her to promote it. They're willing to spend a lot of money to have her promote it. And, and when you say her, you're rights. talking about the studio. Aretha Franklin is is the people who are behind the film at this point would give her the money, right, to right. promote the movie. So that drama is going to start to unfold more and more. Well, it's a question it's of whether and... it can be released if she's not willing to promote it. Right. What What does that do? Or what does that imply? That's her leverage. Yeah, exactly. Though I, I think that that but they're movie... not going to sell the rights. Well, I mean, that a movie like that it has so many sort of built in access points whether it's the obviously people who admire her music to the fact that it's just sort of this discovery from the past which means that at least festivals should be able to provide a nice home for it and tell you right it always has these amazing restorations that show up here anyway mm-hmm. so this could be sort of the rock star of that crop i mean that that's sort of when i look at a movie like that and i see that they they chose to put it here and next it's going to go to toronto I mean, Toronto has all kinds of restorations that they're showing, but that particular movie seems to be. Oh, the it's one amazing! They it's amazing the footage. It's it's uh, it's 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 her in 1972. That's um, crazy. It's great. Yeah, I love these kinds of these these discoveries that, that crop up here. I mean, Serge Bromberg always has these amazing shows that he does in in Telluride that we never have enough time to go to, but we read about them later. And, and it's a similar kind of a thing where it's just well, sort they're of... going to show cocksucker blues. 
Well, that that's something that was selected by uh, this year's guest Rachel director, Kushner, Rachel Kushner, from the Flamethrowers. Yeah, but I mean, Cox Arrow was you know, a couple of years ago. Most people hadn't seen that movie, and now more and more screenings are happening because people talk about it. And Robert the Stones Frank, actually, good. it's an interesting, good point of comparison because the Stones don't want that movie ever released. And they certainly don't promote it. And when you see the movie, you can kind of find out why. But it has this really cool kind of underground life. Absolutely. I, mean, I went to see it in Anthology Film Archives once, and it was uh, it just felt like you were doing something almost like illegal. But uh, at the same time, it's just it, it just it's a very liberating kind of experience to see a movie like that. And so it's certainly a contrast to a lot of the other kinds of films that we're talking about here, where it's everything is so neatly put together, you know, the release date, the marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And just these other films would have like a much more kind of unknown aura around them or in some ways what, what makes the job more interesting. That's what Telluride's all about. I want to see the Ingrid Bergman movie in her own words, which was in Cannes and I missed it there, but I love Ingrid Bergman. You know, there's been a lot of talk about her under birthday and you know I, I really want to see this because she they use her own documentaries footage that she shot and her own archives and that's part of what's been going on with documentaries when you see something like listen to me Marlon you know where where you've got Marlon Brando narrating his own right. documentary and another one that has animation in it so right speaking of which well, I think that's about it for, for, for uh, we'll, we'll tell you more when we actually get to see some of these things. Assuming we get to see everything that we're talking about no, here, which we definitely won't. No. I mean, that's that's the thing that I find so kind of, it's like this mixed blessing when you get the schedule a little bit early, because you start digging into it, and it's like, well, that's not going to happen, that's not going to happen. you see what's against everything. Like exactly. They have... They have uh, for example, suffragette. Tomorrow, I guess it's tomorrow. Overlaps with room. I know, and, and spotlight, and so everything. you're going to go to suffragette. I'm going to go to room, and we'll complement each other in wonderful kinds of ways, and then we can trade the next days so that we'll have plenty uh-huh. to talk about. <laughs> the, the, the most hilarious thing is when we run into these programmers on the street, and they're sort of like. No, you should go see this tiny little thing that's happening. Don't don't worry about those those bigger movies. And it's sort of like, well, you programmed them. I mean, you know, and they, and they always have their cards so close. They're not to thinking their chest. about us. They're thinking about the getting the people into the different theaters. But they, on some level, do need us. They do, but that's not who they're. You know, they wouldn't they just be putting the big ones up against each other if they did. You know. <laughs> Because they know we're going to go for it anyway. It's almost like they just want to mess with our heads. Indeed. It feels that way. The, fun, the funny thing is, I mean, the, they don't need the press to promote Telluride for Telluride audiences because they come out, they're going to see whatever. They sold their passes out exactly. so fast. Thousands of dollars have it already been spent. So we just have to worry about seeing enough stuff so that we have something to talk about. But We don't have to worry about we're gonna that. We're going to be there. We'll we're going to get there. One um, way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll go to the brunch tomorrow and uh, onward to the 2.30 movie. We'll find our way through it, and you can check out our coverage. What's the 2.30 movie going to be? Well, in, in previous years, I mean, <laughs> people are going to know we're wrong by the time they hear this, but in previous years... If it's not some additional thing like Argo, it's it's maybe an, an just an ex an, an, another screening of a movie that might be showing later. Um, so I'm I'm guessing it might be a Steve Jobs screening, which would be nice to kind of get that out of the way, you know, early. That's and so the we big title. They usually put the big title. That would in be there. nice. That would be nice. And then, I don't really know what else yeah, could sort of sneak in. That would help. And I mean, then we'll see if there's a sneak of of Everest. Yeah, I mean the fact that it's a, a mountain movie certainly doesn't hurt. 
though, I, I mean, having seen Everest, I've seen it too. I enjoyed that movie quite a bit. I loved it. It's 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 an overwhelming. It scared me. I have to say, if you're me. a little, I mean, it's very good the way that they use the IMAX 3D, but and it gives you a sense of the scale and, it, and, and the vertiginous scariness of, of the of what they're actually and the 3D. doing. But um, it 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 makes it so intense. Yeah, you know, it may, I was just sitting. I was really squirming around. It is. It, it it feels as if they're really trying to make you terrified of of actually doing this yourself. And there is this one scene where Josh Brolin is going across this chasm on a ladder thing across the chasm, and he has these cleat uh, shoes, to fall. and he's going one thing at a time, and he's terrified. And you can see that he's terrified. Oh yeah. And he oh, yeah. and he does fall, and he did hurt himself in that in that thing. Well, I mean, because he was so frightened and stiff. If they weren't hurting themselves a little bit, I think the artifice would show because that's sort of it, a movie like that. If it doesn't convince you, it's it's gonna feel false. Even though they weren't up at the top of Everest, obviously, right? It um, looks like it. it. They they managed to convince you that you were, and and they did do a lot of shooting in the Dolomites in the foothills sure. of the Dolomites where it really was, it's more like where we are now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not, not too bad. We, we feel the altitude <laughs> already, we feel right? We feel it. But I mean, I, I almost felt like Everest was this like B movie writ large, you know, it's like, it's like a horror movie about the kids who go into the woods and they never come back, except that it's a bunch of careless uh, backpackers and even they're sort of in over their heads. And so it's, I mean, would Telluride audiences like a movie like that? Yeah, they, they'd probably be okay with the kind of ride of it. Do they not, have an IMAX 3D here? Uh, well, the biggest they screen they have, they have, they have 3D, so I they can't they, quite meet those. those they couldn't uh, do IMAX. Yeah, exactly. So it's nice that we've already moved on from Telluride to talk about a different kind of movie. It shows that there is, is life outside of it. But uh, let's get back into it, and uh, we'll be back next right. week. Talk to you later. Bye.